Hey, this is Dr. Cree. I am a board-certified family medicine physician, and I'm the owner of Brownstone Healthcare, where our mission is to take care of the everyday person who's overwhelmed and overworked and looking to live a healthy, happy, and whole life. We have a direct primary care service where you can pay $70 a month to have all access to meet your physician, have discounted labs, and imaging if needed. So you'd pay the $70 a month, no matter if you're insured, underinsured, or have no insurance at all. Call us at 205-202-5650 or go ahead on the roll today at www.brownstonehealthcare.com. Do you remember that time Granny embarrassed you? No. About me being born a year later? I don't remember that. <laughs> Granny said she went to your doctor's appointment to ensure your chastity. Yes, she did. <laughs> you shouldn't have mentioned that album. <laughs> but she did. Yeah. Mary Frances Bell Williams is a native of Birmingham, Alabama, and received her early education in the Birmingham public school system. She received the Bachelor of Arts degree from Miles College, Fairfield, Alabama, and a master's degree in social work from the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Mrs. Williams, who is now retired, her career spanned more than 40 years in providing direct social work services to developmentally disabled children, medical social work in both the hospital and clinic setting, foster care, and the training and education of allied care professionals. Mrs. Williams was an adjunct professor of social work at the University of Alabama School of Social Work and a field instructor in the Department of Social Sciences at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. Mrs. Williams was responsible for the training and supervision of social work students at both UA and UAB. She is a member of the National Association of Social Workers, the Academy of Certified Social Workers, and is licensed for private independent practice, PIP, in the state of Alabama. Prior to her retirement from Unity Health Management Services as Director of Community Awareness, Mrs. Williams worked for the University of Alabama, Birmingham, at the Comprehensive Cancer Center as a social worker. In her role at the Cancer Center, she worked on a research project looking at the lifestyles and outcomes of neat, newly diagnosed cancer patients. At the end of the project, she went to work at the Center for Developmental and Learning Disorders, now known as the Sparks Center, where she worked with an interdisciplinary team of professionals providing services to developmentally disabled children and their parents. Mrs. Williams' continued interest in cancer care led her to a position at the Baptist Health Systems Hospice Care Program, where she was hired as the first full-time social worker, person of color, and eventually became the substitute caregiver, I'm sorry, the became the director of support services, supervising social workers, volunteers, a substitute caregiver program, publishing at system-wide newsletter and bereavement care. Following full-time employment, Mrs. Williams later worked at both the Eastern Health System, certifying allied health care professionals and the Alabama Baptist Children's Homes, working with foster parents 
and adoptions. Caring for others is at the core of Mrs. Williams' being, and even after retiring, she has continued to offer her services in a variety of endeavors. Mrs. Williams has served and continues to serve on several boards and advisory committees, including the Alabama State Board of Social Work Examiners, United Way, and the Jefferson Blunt St. Clair Mental Health Authority. She has worked and volunteered with many civic and social organizations, including the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, Grace House Ministries, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, The Links Incorporated, Imperial Club Incorporated, and the National Association of Colored Women's Clubs. Mrs. Williams is very involved in her church, 6th Avenue Baptist Church, where she is a deaconess and has developed and implemented several programs in the church, including the Stevens Ministry, the Grief and Loss Ministry, Time Mentoring Program, and the Counseling Center at the church. Mrs. Williams is still actively involved in social organizations and volunteers with her community and local governments. Through the years, she has been recognized by several organizations and most recently named by the Miles College, by Miles College, her alma mater, as a 2022 Woman of Distinction. She is a member of the Sixth Avenue Baptist Church, is married to Iva B. Williams, Jr. They have two adult children and four grandchildren. Mimi, tell me a joke. Well, first of all, Iva knows that I'm not a jokester. <laughs> but there was a pecan tree who needed to see a psychiatrist. And when the psychiatrist went to look up at the pecan tree, he asked, what's your problem? The pecan tree said, I think I'm going nuts. <laughs> that was not bad, Mimi. I got a few for you. There are, well, one is a mom joke, and the other two are your mama jokes. And light of Mother's Day coming. What kind of coffee do you give a mother cow that's just given birth? I don't know, Abba. Decaffeinated. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got your mama so fat, when her beeper went off, people thought she was backing up. <laughs> That's not a good Mother's Day joke. <laughs> and then your mama's so ugly, somebody broke in the house to close the curtains. <laughs> I sure hope I'm not in either of those categories. <laughs> so, I finally have my mommy here. And you live with or lived with two Ivas. You live with three Ivas. Yes. <laughs> and um a lot of four Ivas. Yeah. Four, four Ivas. What am I thinking? Mm -hmm. Forgot. So um especially with Pop. And now I've done a few things a lot of people don't notice overlook haven't paid attention to a lot of the things that you've done and so that's why I wanted to read that entire bio like that I remember um, we're gonna I want you to tell me your first fondest or funniest memory involving me but I'm gonna go first as it relates to your bio 
you know, Pop was my world. You know, he's just a, a giant when I was a little boy. And I'll never forget one time I said something and Pop said, hell, your mama make more than me. <laughs> and I had, that, I, that had never crossed my mind. I, I never conceived that, that anybody could make more than my father, first of all, less known my mother. So what we going to do today is we going to talk about that woman. We're going to talk about what led up to that, and then we're going to close with what became of her, et cetera. So, first question I have is, tell me about my great-grandmother. Tell me about your grandmother. I, I want to hear how you got to be who you are through your grandmother and mother. So tell me about my grandmother. Well, your maternal grandmother, whose name was Fanny Sewell, um, lived in rural Alabama in Marengo County. And that's where your granny was born, in Marengo County. My grandmother was... um, had some Indian in her. And what struck struck me most about her was her long black hair and her high cheekbones. Mm. That is a vision that I keep in my head of her. I was very young when my grandmother passed away. So I didn't have a lot of interaction with her. But this is something that's a little funny that I do remember. Uh, about our family, and that was that um, myself and my two brothers, my mother and father, would always go south to visit grandparents, whether they were the maternal grandparents or the paternal grandparents. So this particular time that we went for a visit, my brothers and I would sit on the back seat of the car en route to Marengo County, And it was always sort of a, who's going to get to grandma first? (laughs) And so we'd jump out of the car. As soon as the car stopped, we'd jump out of the car and run to my grandmother or my grandfather. Most all the time, they were sitting out on the front porch. And this particular time, I jumped out of the car and went to run to my grandmother not realizing that they had put a barbed wire fence up. And I ran into that barbed wire fence. And, of course, I got caught up in it and was hanging on like a cat. (laughs) So my brothers teased me for the longest. They called me Catwoman. (laughs) And so that was my most fondest memory of my grandmother. She passed away. Uh, early in life uh, from breast cancer. Mm. Uh, And then um, your paternal grandmother, whose name was Dora Deloach Bell. And she lived, both they lived in South Alabama as well, in a little town called Hossel, Alabama. Mm. And she was a very stately woman, um, always sort of, you know, real sort of stern and matter of fact and did things kind of in order. Mm. Both of my grandfathers, they were just as different as a right shoe and a left shoe. Um, their character, and um, I didn't get to know a whole lot about, but I could see that they were not similar in any way. Right, right. So uh, that's that's the mother part of it, I guess. And then going on to my own mother, who came to Birmingham, Alabama, as a young woman, and that is where she met my father, James Bell. What made her come to Birmingham? Looking for opportunity. 
being in a southern uh, county with not much opportunity, she left and came to Birmingham seeking better opportunities for herself. She got to Birmingham. Did we have family here? Is that why she came? Why? That's what I'm trying to ask. Or do you not know? She had one cousin that I know of. Okay. And um, that cousin, of course, like most uh, black Americans who migrated from the south going north, whether it was north to Alabama or north to Illinois, mm-hmm. um, you know, they. she came and stayed with that aunt and cousin mm-hmm. to sort of establish herself and um, seek a job. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother didn't have a college education. She finished high school and, well, she finished elementary school and some high school. Mm-hmm. So opportunities in the South were just not there for uh, young black women, young blacks at all. Mm-hmm. So that's what got her to Birmingham. And now what was that childhood like going to Center Street and on the Ullman and like what what was Granny living with Granny like <laughs> as you matriculated? Okay. Um, my mom, I think, was a beautiful woman. Um, she had beautiful skin. Um, a kind of pleasing personality, very um, open and warm and um, very inviting, I would say. People sort of were attracted to her. And so she had friends, and um, um, growing up with her, though, I had two brothers. I still have two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. And Needless to say, I was well insulated. (laughs) Um, My father passed away when I was very young. I was 12 years old. I had a birthday in November, and he passed away in December. And so my... Now, where did he die from? He had an aneurysm. An aneurysm. Was perfectly well, had had no problems, no health issues, um, worked at U.S. Steel, and um, as a matter of fact, he had told my mom that the next year, which would have been 1958, that we were going to move from Birmingham mm-hmm. and go to California looking for greater opportunity. Oh, wow. And my father passed away the December of, De- of uh, 1957. So uh, getting back to my growing up years, I was well insulated. Uh, My mom wanted to make sure that I was one of the good girls, and so I didn't get to hang out like some of the other girls did, didn't get to go to a whole lot of places like the other girls did. But overall, and in the long run, that was the best thing that could have happened to me because it kept me focused. My mother always encouraged education. And she would tell us at the end of the school day, have you gotten your homework? Did you do those problems? And then we could do go out and play. But if we had not done that, it was no playtime for us. So education was always important to her. and. Um, and so it kept me focused. Um, I must say that uh, I did get good grades because I studied a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it sort of uh, shaped my passion for family because my mother and my two brothers and I were so closely knit that it was always important for my family to be close to have some conjoining uh, together. So it was fun. I had some happy days and some not-so-happy days. Tell me about the three Bs. <laughs> oh. Those were my high school days. Okay. After finishing elementary school, Center Street Elementary School, 
I then went on to Ullman High School, and there is where I met my three best friends. All three of us had a last name that started with B, Banks, Bell, and Butler. And we called ourselves the three Bs. <laughs> and everywhere we went around Ullman High School campus, it was the three Bs. All of our teachers knew us. Uh, the principal knew us. Everybody in the school knew who we were. All of our friends called us the three Bs. If they'd see one and didn't see the other, they'd want to know, where's the other B? <laughs> and so that that was you know, a fun time for me being in high school. Now, what did you do in high school? I mean, like were in the band? Well, yes. Well, starting out in the elementary school, I was in Center Street School's band. And <laughs> during those times, there were not big parades for, for blacks. So we'd parade through the neighborhood once a year. Mm -hmm. Mr. John Springer was the band teacher, and I was a majorette. I also learned how to play um, a flute, just a little bit of the flute. That was my instrument, which gave me entrance into the band. Mm -hmm. So we'd march around. The, there was a, the neighborhood was mapped off, and uh, cars would block the streets so that we could parade through the, through the neighborhood. And um, that was really fun. It was something to look forward to. I also was in the band in high school, and um, I was in the band at Miles College. But before Miles talk about, you know, what it was like, you were at home or at church or at school, you know, and and so, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so, what was you know you would have, what were you in the church? Um, while I was in elementary school, my mother started me with piano lessons. And so I took piano lessons from Mrs. Mabel Bohannon. And I really excelled very well at music. And so um, during my early years, I played piano in the Sunday school for the devotionals. That's mm -hmm. how I got started. And then when our musician left the church, it provided an opening for somebody to play the piano or the organ. Well, I didn't have any experience on the organ, but I was able to transfer my skill from the piano to the organ. So I became the youngest um, choir director at Metropolitan Community Church in Woodlawn, Alabama. And um, I continued to do that, well, until you were born. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then as far as what, what was the other thing you asked? No, um, I was just asking about, you know, I said you were either at home, at school, or at, at church. Yeah. And I just wanted to cover that little bit yeah. where you um, did, did that at, at at church. Yeah. So um I have a question that I ask people and um it's what makes you so Birmingham? When you look at what Birmingham is, when you when you be it cliche, be it real or not, when you think of Birmingham like what makes you so Birmingham? Like with me, I think it's the fire in me, the activist in me, the the fight in me. Um, some people have have likened the question to the gumbo, and you know how the there's just so there's so many different cultures and everything in Birmingham, and so some people have a little foot in a lot of wells. What makes you so Birmingham? If 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 somebody came up to you and asked you that, and what would you say? I think the first thing I would refer to is that it's comfortable. Hmm. 
Birmingham has always been a warm and inviting place, I think. As you know, we have traveled quite a bit in our lifetime. We've been around a lot of different people, but nothing compares to Birmingham. The hospitality, the warm feeling, the open arms, you can always find somebody who is willing to give you a helping hand, a word of encouragement. And that comfort is what I think has kept us in Birmingham, both me and Ivan, my husband. We had the opportunity to move two or three times with his work, <coughs> and uh, we chose to stay home to be with family, with his mom and dad and, and my mom. So comfortable is, is the word that I think of about when you ask about Birmingham, what has kept me here. There are a lot of things to do. There's a lot to see. Um, Birmingham is rich in its own culture, not just the what we're known mostly for, which is the civil rights movement. Um, but we've produced here in Birmingham some very outstanding people. And because of the nourishment and the nurture and the love that was instilled in students during my time has populated the world with very outstanding people. You know, I can name, start naming people who came, who lived in Birmingham, who are now on the forefront of America. And that comes from being in Birmingham. Mm. Um, I, I've never heard Uncle JB's story about going to the march. Okay. And I'm just curious, what? How, how did Granny react to that? <laughs> I've forgotten what day of the week it was. I want to. I want to think <coughs> that it was maybe a Tuesday or Wednesday when that march took place, and um, I had just started high school. My brother is almost two years older than I am, James, Uncle JB. And um, people, I don't remember who her name was, encouraging the students to leave school and go downtown to march. Well, with me being a neophyte at Oldman High School and having been insulated the way I had been, there's no way I was going to go downtown to march. I didn't. I just didn't know enough about what it was going to entail. But my brother, who was older, decided, "I'm going," <laughs> and he did. Didn't call my mom. We didn't know where he was. We just knew that he was participating in the march. So. Got home from school, and Mom is, you know, real antsy, wondering where's J.B., Junior, as <laughs> we called him. Um, and he had driven my mom's car that day. Well, he was er arrested during the protest, and one of the protest organizers got my mom's car and started driving people around, and... We didn't know where the car was. We didn't know where my brother was uh, until um, Mr. Floyd, who lived across the street from us, came and started driving us around in the car, I mean, in his car. Mm -hmm. And we saw my mom's car going down the street, and it wasn't my brother driving, so we knew then that he had been arrested and uh, someone else was driving the car. So he's the activist, you know, in the family. He was arrested and, of course, was put in jail. Um, and that was how that evolved. 
So she was cool about it? Oh, no, she wasn't. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm asking. Well, she wasn't upset. She understood what was happening. She was more concerned about his welfare than anything, that Mm -hmm. he was okay, uh, that he wasn't being harmed, uh, that he was safe. And uh, I think the organizers had ensured that the kids wouldn't be harmed. And so she felt comfortable, or at ease, I won't say comfortable, uh, knowing that he was going to be all right. And he was in, you know, only in jail for a day uh, because they let them out the next morning. So, no, Granny wasn't the kind of person that said, yeah, it's okay to everything. You know, she let her hair down and said some choice words. (laughs) Hello, I am Dr. Brandy Bowling, your triple board certified pediatrician, adult psychiatrist, and child and adolescent psychiatrist. I am also an ADHD expert, a mommy friend, a school liaison, author of the best-selling book, Shine, Understanding ADHD So Your Child Can Be a Star, and host of the Facebook live stream, Focus On It Friday. You can find me at Dr. Brandy B, that's D-R-B-R-A-N-D-I-B, on all social media platforms. Or you can call my office, which is 205-948-7129. It is my goal that all children and adults will be successful and that they will shine in the classroom and in life. The reason I was asking that last little bit a bit more probing is because I was trying to figure out what type of parenting develop your parenting. And so, you know, that little story about Uncle JB is kind of, you know, is you. That, you know, you you go show your <laughs> your feelings about something you understand it don't mean you crazy about it but you get it and you've never like tried to stifle my fire just tried to understand God I've tried to keep it within boundaries um, I'm a very good listener and I think I developed that skill through my education and professional training, Mm -hmm. dealing with people in general, you have to listen to them and hear what they are saying. Uh, All during my education at Alabama in the School of Social Work, our professors always honed in on meeting the person where they are. And that means not inflicting your thoughts, your behavior, you know, the, the way you would do it, for instance. Mm-hmm. Instead, to listen. And um, my mom did that. She listened to us. Um, we didn't grow up in a, a, a very active, emotional, uh, controversial environment. Everything was just kind of smooth and comfortable. Um, and and I think that's why I have kind of a kind demeanor. I listen, and then I make my decision and respond to what I've heard. It might not be in agreement with, you know, what the other person has said, um, and it might be totally out of the ballpark. Uh, I do have a tendency to... Um, overthink situations, uh, wanting to make things better. So I think ahead. I don't act on impulse. I give things very serious thought before I react. Um, We have... Of course, you know, you're in the baby boomer generation, and then I'm 
Gen X and you got millennials, Gen Z, et cetera, et cetera. Well, where things are now, and this is going to be an ode to our buddy uh, Xavier and, and us talking about relationship advice. Um, peop- women have a different view of what mothering or being the head of the household is. Tell us what what all you did as a young mom with me while you were in college. You're bringing back memories. (laughs) As a young mom, um, Ava was born a year after we were married. Wait, hold that thought. Do you remember that time Granny embarrassed you? No. About me being born a year later? I don't remember that. (laughs) Granny said she went to your doctor's appointment to ensure your chastity. Yes, she did. (laughs) You shouldn't have mentioned that, (laughs) Ivan. But she did. Yeah. But anyway, I was a young mom and um, had just finished college and had my first job and found out that I was pregnant with Ava. And so um, Ava was born, um, and um, my first job was at the Spark Center at CDLD. And um, I had always wanted to get into social work. But Miles College did not have a degreed program in social work. And one of my uh, co-workers who was on the faculty at Alabama encouraged me to go and get my master's degree. So um, here I am, a young mom with a young child and um, a husband who traveled a lot with his job. So um, it was challenging. I had to grow up real fast, learning how to take care of a, a child, work, and then to make a decision about going to graduate school. Wow, that was a lot to take on. So um, having Iva, it was like I had a buddy. <laughs> You know, he presented his challenges. Uh, He really presented his challenges, as is evidenced by his persona now. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I don't... I don't know how to really respond to to that. Um, well, this is one of the places where I was going. Um, you know, a lot of younger people are like, well, I'm not going to do this if I got to do that. I'm not going to do this if I got... And I always brag on my mom. There was a time where my mother was working in school, pledging AKA... Um, doing her thing in church while taking care of her husband and her child. And commuting from Birmingham and commuting. to Tuscaloosa every day. So when people tell me what they can and can't do, I'm sorry. I compare all that against my mama. And you were doing all of that at one time. I was, and I wanted to do it. Um, I've, I've always thought that it's important to be involved, to be active, to do something for somebody else. And you can't do that if you're sitting at home, uh, you know, wasting time. So I am very, I have been very active. I've kind of slowed down now. But I encourage young mothers, uh, young parents to, um, I'm not saying to be a super mom, as 
someone once told me. I'm not a super mom. I just make choices, and my choices were to do those things that you've just mentioned. Um, what? And I'm, I'm sitting here very proud of you saying those things. It, it's just warmed my heart. Um, but I did those things because it was what I wanted to do mm. and I felt called to do. So juggling, you know, nobody promised us a rose garden. So I just, you know, picked the petals and kept on going. What's your favorite charity? I have a lot of favorite charities, but my most favorite mission is service. Um, I'm in an organization. Oh, my most favorite organization? I'm not going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to put one on top of the other. (laughs) Well, tell us about one. Um, One of the organizations that I have taken a lot of pride in, of course, Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority is the love of my life. Um, I worked, I'm a life member, soon to be a golden member, um, Silver Star. I've been a member of Magic City Chapter of the Lynx, who are very involved in community and social work, um, uh, community service programs. Imperial Club Incorporated, I think, has been uh, a brainchild of mine, one that I have worked really diligently with for many years. And I think the reason why I have been so involved with Imperial Club is because of the debutantes. The debutantes um, in Birmingham um, is an event that we used to look forward to every year. And the purpose of presenting debutantes is to shape the minds of young men and young women through the programs and services that we're involved with. Um, The debutante presentation is the the end of a year of service of volunteering, getting... It's the highlight. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. highlight of the organization. Uh, so I think that's my brainchild, you know, where I have invested a lot for many years. Uh, like I said, I've been a member of um, uh, Alpha Kappa Alpha, soon to be 50 years, and uh, with the links, um, I'm an alumnus member. But I think... You know, I, my mission is service more than which is the most important to me because I think they're all important or I would not have been involved in them. Well, if you don't answer one of these questions, you're making a donation to one of those charities. <laughs> I'll be glad to do that. I know it, but they're easy. Regent's Park or Rickwood Field? Regent's Park. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Botanical Gardens. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? Have y'all been to Protective yet? No, we've been to Legacy. Y'all got to go to a Stadiums game now. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We do. Crossplex or Legion Field? Legion Field. Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Uh, the McWayne. Really? Yeah. Sla- There's so much to do there, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just surprised because you said you love of flowers and stuff. That was all. That's the botanical gardens. Oh, yeah. Duh. The zoo. Yeah. Um, Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Vulcan Park. Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum? Civil Rights Institute. Biggie or Tupac? Neither. 
<laughs> donation. <laughs> Got a donation. <laughs> um, Birmingham Barons or Birmingham Squadron? Barons. Birmingham Legion or Birmingham Stallions? Stallions. Alabama or Auburn? Roll Tide. <laughs> um, what? Um, if you could go back to an age, pick an age, and give that young little young lady a piece of advice. Any age, young, middle, older. That's a hard one. For me, I think four, 16 would be the age I'd want to go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm choosing that because it's sort of in between my youth and my Maturity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was a time that uh, I was being shaped and molded. I think the most is, is around the age of 16. Uh, I had gone through the trauma of having lost a parent and a grandparent. And on the other end of the spectrum, I was beginning to make decisions about what I wanted to do as an adult. Had not quite achieved it yet. But what I wanted to do, um, what kind of work I wanted to pursue, what kind of school I was going to go to. And so 16, I think, is a very formidable time for me. And with all of the stimuli that is available now for a 16-year-old, I think some of my choices would have been different. Mm. I think that would be... If you could have a superpower, what would it be? To bring peace uh, throughout the world, but with individuals as well. Uh, There is so much controversy and anger and hatred and... um, malice that I think is in the minds and hearts of people that I would like to see us live in a peaceful time and I know that true peace is not going to come until I die and meet my heavenly father but I don't think it's too much to expect people to be respectful to be loving to be kind to be generous and all of that is a part of being having a peaceful demeanor. Give young moms two really good pieces of advice. I think the first piece of advice would be to take your time, take time with your family. And I say that because it seems there are so many young children who are going what I would call astray. They are, the parents are young, immature, don't have their heads on right. So I think taking time with your family is very important. The other piece of advice I would give is to take time for yourself. Do a lot of introspection um, and not be impulsive. Hmm. How, when you look at me, how are you most like when you say, or, or what am I doing, or how am I most like my mama? Hmm. 
in your eyes. How I see you as being most like me. Yeah. Like you always talk about, and people talk about how I look like my dad. I have my dad's mannerisms. I have his personality. Da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, what do I have of you? I think it's the love of people. Um, you are very personable. Um, you, this person here <laughs> has so many friends, um, so many people that he has come in contact with all over the United States. Uh, and I think your personality is what people gravitate to. You're very gregarious and jovial and friendly, and I don't think I've ever seen you meet someone that you didn't feel comfortable around. You can engage people who are the most brilliant, and at the same time you can relate to the person who's sitting on the street with a cup in his hand. Uh, you don't judge folk by who they are, um, what they have achieved. And so I think that's what what I see in you that's a part of me. I want to thank my mom for coming to the podcast, and I want to thank you all for joining us. As always, a huge shout-out to Creed 63, I360 News, and urbanham.com. God bless. And happy Mother's Day. Yay. For moms. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.